If you will stand with me for the reading of Scripture out of Titus chapter 2. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 11 through 15. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15 this morning. Uh, beginning at verse 11, the Apostle Paul uh, writing to uh, Pastor Titus in Crete. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be in your word, to focus upon your word, to seek to understand your word by the power of the Spirit. And we pray, Lord, today that you would uh, direct us, God, lead us, and move us, Lord, as we seek to give understanding, to know what you would speak to us, and to faithfully live it out before you, Lord. Help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Before we move into the message, I just want to share a few things uh, as we are looking to the new year and ways that you can engage and be involved. I just want to continue to remind you to be in prayer and also for those of you who are interested in attending our Celebrate Recovery meets on Monday evening at 630. There's a group that are kind of walking through that together right now, but uh, if you are in need there and need some people to uh, rally around you and walk with you for a while on a journey, this is the group to be involved with on Monday. Monday evenings at 6.30. Uh, In the back of the sanctuary, there are other groups that uh, you can join. Our journey groups, there are various ones that meet here at the church and in the community. Uh, throughout the week and throughout the month. And if you have any questions on those, you can see Sister Autumn Nims, and she'll be glad to help you and find a group that will uh, work uh, with your schedule and uh, what the Lord is leading you to do. Two other things I want to um, mention to you. On Saturday, January the 16th at 9 a.m., we are beginning what we're referring to as a Riverstone Discipleship Institute. And what the focus of that is, is to help people go deep in the Word of God. Uh, If you sense God calling you in a deeper walk and a deeper relationship with Him, we're going to take a a once-a-month Saturday morning from about 9 to 11 and spend time together going deep in the Word of God. And Brother Jay Temple is going to be leading our first uh, series on spiritual warfare. And so I hope that you will plan uh, to attend uh, that session. Uh, Really looking forward to that. I plan to be there, and I plan to recruit some of you who I know the Lord is touching and stirring uh, to be there as well. But if God is ministering to you and calling you a deeper walk with Him, uh, please make plans to be there on uh, January the 16th, beginning at 9 a.m. 
And finally, and I'll speak more about this in the coming weeks, but uh, on January the 29th, there is a March for Life in uh, Washington, D.C., and you can find out more about that specific event at marchforlife.org, but we are a church and a people who believes in the sanctity of life, and we are going to advocate for, and we're going to speak loudly and strongly about the sanctity of human life uh, from uh, uh, conception uh, through the grave. Uh, that's the type of church that we are going to be, and I encourage you to participate in some of these things, and January the 29th is the March for Life in Washington, D.C., so if you can't go, what you can do is pray. We can all pray from where we are and pray that God would move upon people's hearts. Yes, we want laws that are enacted, but we also want people's hearts to be right, that people desire to live righteously before the Lord Jesus. If people desire to live righteously before the Lord Jesus, some legislation would not be necessary. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning out of Titus. As we speak about building our foundation as a church, uh, as uh, a local church, Riverstone, we're obviously part of a greater uh, body of believers, the church uh, universal that is uh, the Lord's body in all places and all times all around uh, the world. We're part of that, but we're also a local church, a local body of believers who is sort of just kind of launching out on our journey, and it's important for us periodically to reflect on who we are, why we exist, why God has called us to be who we are, what God is doing in Riverstone Church. And uh, one of the first things that I want you to think about when you think about Riverstone Church is that we are a church that uh, is called and is eager to worship Jesus. We're a church as part of our uh, foundational commitment is that we are going to be a church that is about worshiping Jesus. Uh, if you look at our, our website and some of our other uh, publications and things, what you find is there's four aspects that we're really trying to focus on and drill on that we are able to pull right from Scripture, and that is we'll be a church that worships Jesus. We're going to be a church that lives joyfully with one another, that finds our purpose, and that serves others. And so those are the messages that I hope to preach to you this month, except on the 17th, we're going to focus very uh, specifically, that is Sanctity of Life Sunday, we're going to focus very specifically on what it means to be a church who is concerned about uh, the image of God. And so that's where we'll be going in the month of January, and then uh, Lord willing, we'll jump back into the book of Acts at the beginning of February. So what does it mean to worship Jesus? What does it mean for us to be a people who worships the Lord? We think about what we just experienced together in this sanctuary or maybe at home uh, online, you with your family gathered, maybe lifting up your hands, maybe speaking words of love uh, to Jesus. We consider that worship, and uh, I believe that that is worship, but I believe there are some other aspects that are important for us to look at, and I think that Paul gives Titus an answer to that question here in Titus chapter 2. Now, Titus was uh, a young man who was a 
companion of the Apostle Paul. Many people believe that he was a convert of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul and Titus had traveled to Crete together to probably begin the work of establishing churches. This particular letter was written sometime around A.D. 63, which would have been about 30 years or so after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in writing this, had just been released uh, from prison because of his preaching of the gospel. He wasn't in Crete at the time, but he was writing to encourage uh, Titus, and he wanted him, Titus, to be encouraged on this particular fact that Jesus is worthy of our worship because Jesus is fully God. Jesus is worthy of our worship because Jesus is fully God. And Paul knew that as the gospel was preached, that Christ is God in the flesh, people's hearts would begin to change, and then their actions would begin to change as a result of their heart change. In other words, for you and for me, as we come into relationship with Jesus, there should be a clear distinction between those of us who love the Lord and the way that we act and those who don't love the Lord and the way that they act. And Paul tells Titus in these few verses that worshiping Jesus, it begins with believing certain things about the Lord. Now, if you're married this morning, and maybe you went to an area, and an altar, or a justice of the peace, or something along those lines, and you and your spouse exchanged vows with one another, at the end of that ceremony, the pastor or uh, the justice of the peace or someone else did not sort of chain you all together, right? There was no physical bond that put you together, but there was this uh, bond that was created between you and your spouse that you decided you're going to live according to certain commitments and you're going to walk that out. So you stand here at the front of the altar together and you profess a commitment and then you say, okay, now I'm going to walk that out faithfully day by day, week after week, living by the commitments that I have professed to this other person. But there's no actual physical binding together, no roping together or chaining together. We hear the old term, the the ball and chain. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That's horrible. There's a commitment that we make here, and we live it out because we want to be faithful. And as a pastor, when you marry a couple, what you expect is that the words that they are speaking have meaning and that they're going to walk that out. So even beforehand, you counsel them and you say, this is what this really means. Right now, you look at each other and you have this love for one another, but there's going to come a time when you roll over in the morning and that person is maybe not quite as attractive as they once were. But you've made a commitment. 
And you're going to walk it out, and you're going to be faithful to it until death do you part. And it's similar in our relationship with Jesus. There is an unseen bond between believers and the Lord that requires us to believe certain things about Jesus. When we come into that saving knowledge of the Lord, it impacts who we are, but it also impacts what we do. Paul tells Titus in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. And what he means by that is the full manifestation of God's grace is found in Jesus. And true worship of the Lord Jesus Christ requires you and I to believe that Jesus is the supreme manifestation of God's grace. If we really want to worship Jesus, what has to be centered in our mind is that this Jesus, this man, is a supreme revelation of God's grace to me. There is nothing greater or sweeter or better than the plan of God to save humanity through Jesus. Do you believe this? Do you Believe this, because that is one of the tests of your faith. You have to believe that there is one way to God, and that is through Jesus. And this is what we believe at Riverstone Church. Worshiping Jesus means that you and I believe that the fullness of God's grace is found in His Son, and that changes the way that we act. It changes what we do. Worshiping Jesus requires us to believe certain things, that Jesus is that supreme manifestation of God's grace, but it also requires us to act in certain ways. Paul says to Titus that this grace of God has appeared in Christ, and it causes certain things to happen. In the beginning of verse 12, it says it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Romans 1 and 18 says that ungodliness is one of the major reasons for God's wrath upon the earth. Worldly desires are those controlling lusts that can be self-destructive. So believing that Jesus is a supreme revelation of God's grace causes us to deny ungodliness and to deny worldly lust. But secondly, the grace of God teaches us, uh, he says in the second part of verse 12, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. I need a little bit of of help here. Seth, could you and Levi help me, please, and grab that door over there? I took this door off of my laundry room before I came to church this morning. (laughs) I'd like you guys to kind of stand here with the the door kind of facing this way, please. One on each side for me for a little bit, right here in the middle. Yep. Thank you for your help. And Seth, yeah, just make it so the doors, yeah. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's great. And y'all just hold it for me there, please. Thank you. 
So what is going on here is that you and I, prior in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, we were on the, the righteous side of the door. So Adam and Eve, they had one commandment to obey, one commandment. One commandment only. Don't eat of a particular tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate of that tree, and so sin came in. And so the Bible talks about them being cast out of the garden, cast out on the other side, God putting angels, and he kind of closing it off. So now we're outside. Now every one of us, after Adam and Eve, we are born in iniquity and sin. We all bear sin. We all bear the penalty of sin. And so what we desire, what needs to happen is we need to get on the other side of this door, back into holiness, back into righteousness. And there's one man that has the key to the door. One man that has the key to the door. And that man is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says the supreme revelation of Jesus brings salvation to all men, meaning that he opens, help me open the door. He opens the door. He opens the door for you and me to be able to get in to this place where we can live and dwell and walk in holiness. But we have to be willing to walk through. Jesus has opened the door. That is his part. Jesus has given you legs. Jesus has given you an ability to put one foot in front of the other. But now you have the desire to be on this side. You have to walk through the door. Oftentimes what we see or what we may see in our relationship and our walk with the Lord is there are believers who say, yes, I think Jesus has opened the door. Yes, I see that Jesus requires holiness and right living before him. But I'm content to be on this side and look into that side. I'm content to live in my sin. I'm content to live in my ungodliness and my worldly lusts. And then others have to question the salvation. Have you really come into relationship with the Lord when you're continuing to desire all of the worldly things? Because believing that Jesus is a supreme revelation of God's grace requires you to act differently. So if you truly believe it, it requires you to take a step through the door. A desire to be different requires you to act differently. So what makes us want to walk through that door? What causes us to desire to walk through that door? Titus tells us, just a moment, hold me there just a little bit longer, uh, brothers. Titus tells us there's two words that we want to pay attention to in Titus. The first is right in verse 11, that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That appearance is a reference to the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see the second word appeared, it's in verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great and uh, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a reference to the second advent. This is a reference to the second coming. 
So when someone is over here and they're continually struggling with sin, they kind of want to be in Christ, but they're sort of waffling over the threshold. They're not really over here in Christ. There's not a desire to live holy before Christ Jesus, but they're over here. Yes, I believe Jesus has done a work in the past. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I don't doubt that, yet I'm still struggling continually over and over and over again. It is because they have a problem with that second appearing. Because if you believe that Jesus is coming and he might come right now, it's going to affect how you live. Oh, if we knew the timetable were in five minutes, how many of us would be in the altar praying, God, forgive me. God, help me. God, touch me. God, change me. I want to go when you call. But the problem is we live on this side in the worldliness and in the sin so often because we don't really think Jesus is coming back. He may come back, but it's probably not going to be today. Jesus might come back later on down there. But when you get a hold of the grace of God... And the grace of God says there is going to be a glory of his appearing one day. And you think about the glory of his appearing. And you wonder what it's going to be like when the Lord Jesus Christ steps out. And you wonder what it's going to be like when truly the shackles of sin fall off. When you are in fully in his presence. When you see the glory that he has now with the Father in heaven. And you're longing after it and pushing after it and desiring it. You want to live in this place. You want to live on this side where your actions, your deeds, your thoughts, your desires, all of these things are found in Christ. So this morning, if you are here and you're struggling and you're struggling, you think, yes, the door has been opened. Yes, I see on the other side, but I'm kind of content to be on this side for right now. And you would say to yourself, you know, I'm okay with dabbling in the things that I'm dabbling in. I'm okay with looking at some of the things I'm looking at. I'm okay with some of the words coming out of my mouth that come out of my mouth. You see, the difference between legalism and holiness is that legalism says, I have to do all these things to open the door. Holiness says, I don't want to do any of those things because I want to be in his presence. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to long after him. I want to be like him. I love him so much. I'm longing for his appearing. Thank you so much. I'm longing after the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Riverstone is going to be a place where together we are going to press each and every one of us to walk through the door to deny ungodliness and worldliness and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in Christ Jesus. So if someone comes along to you and you hear them speak to you and they say, you know, your words sometimes are kind of harsh. 
I appreciate kind of how you put things sometimes, but sometimes they are harsh. You know what you're going to say? Not going to say? Who in the world are you? Who are you to speak to me in this way? No, because the grace of God has been poured out and you want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ and what you're going to say is, thank you, thank you for calling me to step up into righteousness. When someone comes to you and says, sister so-and-so, I have a prayer request. Have you heard about what brother so-and-so did? And you're going to say, I don't think that was a prayer request as much as it was gossip. And the response is not going to be, I'm not a gossip. Who are you to tell me that I'm a gossip? The response is going to be, thank you for caring enough about me. Thank you for caring enough about my eternal soul that I can try to walk faithfully before the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. We want to be a church that kindly, graciously, humbly is willing to encourage people to walk faithfully before the Lord Jesus Christ because we are looking and longing for his blessed appearing. See, worship looks back to what is done at the cross, but worship also looks forward to the glory of his appearing. And as we look forward to the glory of his appearing, Jesus causes us to do what Paul said to Titus, to be zealous for good deeds. Zealous for good deeds. The cross teaches us about Holiness, longing for Jesus to return, makes us desire, want, and long for holiness. And I ask the question again, have we lost the desire for the glory of his second appearing? Most of us in this culture where we live, we have free, uh, easy access to health care, and the food, and the clothing, the things that we need to sustain ourselves, and for so many of us, the things of this world are not that bad, are they? When we listen to a lot of the old songs, particularly around the turn of the last century, they often spoke about what it was going to be like over there. What it was going to be like once we got to heaven. Because there was a longing for heaven. There was a longing for something different than this world offered. A lot of your brothers and sisters from years and years ago were persecuted because they believed in Jesus, because they wanted to preach the full gospel. They were persecuted because of that, and that persecution pressed them to long for the coming of the Lord. But in our day, things can kind of seem to be okay, and maybe that's why this past year kind of shook us all a little bit. How many of us, even in this moment, wouldn't rejoice at the coming of the Lord? 
We've seen a lot of death. We've seen a lot of sickness. We've seen a lot of difficulty. And how many of us wouldn't long for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and to set things right? You see, our longing should be a sign or a test to us if we are truly in the Lord. Think about it. Go back over this last week. Did we long for his coming? Did we think about Jesus' return? Did we wonder, Jesus, could it really be today? Jesus, will I see you visibly with my eyes today? How many of us could say that that is the longing of our heart? But what I can say to you, that if you are struggling and if you are wrestling and if you are wondering, if you can focus yourself in the Word of God and see the glory of Jesus, you will begin to long for Him more than the enticements of this world. And we have to be a church where we long for the coming of Christ. We don't just give lip service to it, but we're people who praise for it. That's what we're going to do. When we begin gathering together next Sunday night again, we're going to pray for the coming of the Lord. We're going to cry out and long for the return of Jesus Christ. Because what we know and what we understand is that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, He will set all things right. He will put everything in their proper place. He will do all of His holy will, and we will be able to worship Him in the beauty of holiness forever and forever. Do we long for Him? Building our foundation as a church requires that we are a people who worships the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in what was done at the cross for our salvation, that it opened the door for us to step in and to begin to live righteously and in holiness before Him. We also believe that as we live it out, faithfully walk it out, our actions, our deeds become righteous before the Lord, that our longing, our affection becomes upon Him. Our desire says, oh, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Will you stand with me as we pray together this morning, and as we ask the Lord to once again renew our longing for Him? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy in our life. And Lord, I pray that you will do in these few moments, God, what I have done a feeble job of doing in the last several, and that is that you will bring to us, Lord, an understanding and a conviction, oh God, that we must be a people who worships you, in the beauty of holiness. God, that your grace has ministered to us through the cross, O oh Lord. And God, that as we long for you and long for your glory and long for your presence, Lord, even in this life, we can experience the freedom 
from the bondage of sin. Oh yes, Lord. Draw us nearer. Nearer. Oh, draw us nearer, oh Lord, we pray. Lord God, I pray for each one of us here today. God, as we stand together, that we would commit ourselves anew to you. Lord, that we would wonder throughout the week, will it be today? That our affections, our longing for you, God, would become greater than the things of this world. we just honor you today and I pray your grace upon each one that is here help us Lord let me just take these next few moments if there's anything you need to give to the Lord do that just now you speak words to him you pray to him right now Ask him to touch you and fill you once again. Ask him to give you a new sense of his coming, a longing after him. Ask him to touch you afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this day and your grace and mercy. And we just pray, God, that you would continue to work within us, to draw us to you, O oh Lord. Help us to be a church that truly worships you, that stands upon that foundation. We exalt you, we praise you in your precious and holy name. We pray these things. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. The Lord bless you as you go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ.